Hallelujah, our Lord God Almighty reigns. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. You may sit, or you can sing, and you can ring. We will say thank you to so many next Sunday publicly. Today's scripture for our meditation is the last verse, even the last line of the Holy Gospel you just heard. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. In Christ's name, it is the climax. It, it is the climax, first of all, of our Lenten <coughs> Holy Week and now Easter worship series. Places of the Passion. A quick visual review, although we missed the, the first segment on Ash Wednesday because of weather. We journeyed with Christ to the city of Jerusalem where indeed his, his, his passion occurred, his suffering and death for us. And there, first of all, outside of Jerusalem in Bethany, he was anointed for his death and burial by Mary. We went from there to the Mount of Olives where we saw how indeed even, even music and praise can get us through this world's evils to the Garden of Gethsemane nearby, where we realize that Jesus, only Jesus is in control, not, not we. We went from there to the high priest court where Jesus with perfect courage professed who he was, the Son of God, despite lies around. His truth prevails then to Pilate's courtyard where we learned what real judgment is. Not, not a Roman governor's, but the true God's. And it continued last Sunday. We went back outside Jerusalem to the little hamlet of Bethphage, where Jesus started his journey on that first Palm Sunday. We learned that he is everything, even in his humility and then his exaltation. Thursday night in the upper room with his true body and blood given for our forgiveness and salvation. Last Friday at Golgotha. Indeed, hearing how what was so ugly and bad was turned to good, perfect good, your redemption and reconciliation and, and renewal and indeed resurrection, which we celebrate today. It is the climax as we now are at what some suppose was his tomb. Archaeologists aren't sure. The garden tomb. They titled it this in the series to get that G sound. We had Gethsemane 
and then uh, Gabatha, that was the judgment seat of Pilate, and then Friday, Golgotha, today it's the garden tomb, although it may have been elsewhere that he was buried. In any case, a new tomb, we know from the Gospel of John, no other bones or bodies there. And indeed emerged, the stone rolled away, the angels witnessing to the women. Then it spread to the disciples, indeed to the whole world. He is risen, he is risen indeed. But today I want you to see what difference it should make. It is the climax, not this worship series, but this event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything. We teach in our catechism classes that the resurrection of Jesus shows, number one, he is God. Only God could rise from the dead. True human, yes, but also true God. It shows his word is true. He said, destroy this temple, my body, and in three days I will raise it up. Predicted many times he would rise, and he did. All his words are true, and all God's promises are yes in him, the Apostle Paul writes. His resurrection shows that the payment for your sins is complete, done accepted by the Father. I used this illustration during Lent. He not only paid the bill, but he came back with the receipt, the marks in his hands and side. You never have to worry about whether God forgives, whether God is with you. He is. The risen Christ said, I am with you always. Peace be to you. He said a number of times after Easter. But finally, the resurrection shows you will rise too. That it makes a difference, soul and body in every way in your life. Or at least it should. We see here in the Gospel of Mark and elsewhere in Scripture that our sinful nature still wars against the power of Christ's resurrection. Did you notice these women here? They fled from the tomb, trembling. Astonishment had seized them. They said nothing to anyone, though told to do so. And they were afraid. Let's focus on that today. Afraid. Now I know and I hope you know that the fear of the Lord can be a good and positive thing in Scripture. It means that awe and respect of God, that healthy, humble awareness that He is God as you confess your sins, as you trust in Him. But there are many times when fear is an outgrowth of sin, weakness, here connected even with disobedience. Fear can be described in all kinds of ways. It has its roots, I believe, in ignorance of God's word and truth. And it usually clings to what is false. 
that might appear real. People were afraid as Jesus went to the cross and afterwards when he was buried, even after he's risen, we know the disciples were still behind locked doors for fear of the Jews because they believed the lies. We talked in detail on Friday about the gore of his death and the ugliness there. Indeed, the, the separation between him and his father on the cross, but that was not the full truth. There was more, which called not for fear, but work faith. And that's the goal of this message today, to move from fear to faith. Fear is in all our lives as a temptation, like a grizzly bear around the corner. We hear growling. And we're afraid. It can be because of problems at work or even the threat of a loss of job or income. It can be because of relationships that seem to have no solution. It can be indeed because of a diagnosis, health problems, not just individually, but in our society. And we, we, we look with false possibility and, and what might be instead of what is true in God's word. We are prone in our sin, I am too, to look at the negative which God has solved in Jesus on the cross and through the tomb. I have a homework assignment for you which may be redundant for you but it wasn't for me and, and I plead ignorance. I even took a class in art history in college and did not know about the Eisenheim altarpiece. Have you heard about this? Or maybe some of you have seen it. It is located, I forgot to write down the town, in some place in France. It was created, this magnificent uh, artwork for really an altar. Right around the time of Martin Luther, I won't pronounce these names correctly, by Nicholas of Hagenau and Matthias Grunwald, Greenwald, whatever. I should know better as a German. And I will describe it to you. I wanted to put it on the screens, but go home and Google the Eisenheim altarpiece. It was created by those artists, really their masterpiece showing first the crucifixion of Jesus. When the altar piece is closed, it is grotesque. It was made for a monastery that tended to people with skin diseases. And the depiction of Jesus' agony is shown that way with horrible, mottled, diseased skin as he's dying on the cross. Even the people around in that closed altarpiece look grotesque in their shapes and forms. But on this day, that altarpiece is opened. It has wings. And as it opens, it shows in a transcendent and sublime way. I've got to get there someday and see it. 
the exalted Jesus, risen from the dead, victorious over all that ugliness. That Eisenheim altar piece is the message today from God, the truth we don't often see with our eyes. Scripture has to open to us. Yes, there is the ugliness of his death on the cross that is our ugliness, but open we see the glory, the bright colors of God's grace and glory guaranteed. One interesting aspect of the paintings is that the artist placed in Christ's hands in the glorious depiction rubies rubies precious jewels are the truth behind his bloody scars a precious price paid for you dear friend you could not be more valuable to God indeed he treasures you forever yes Jesus predicted numbers of times that he would go to Jerusalem and be killed, but he predicted he would be raised, and that resurrection should change everything. Before the fact, it should have changed things. During the fact here for these women, and now today. I shared with someone yesterday who is confined in a uh, care facility. It was the first time I was able to visit in person and talked about Easter, shared this story and basically this message. Noted one thing that's really just an absence in the Gospels. We see basically all the women going to the tomb on Easter morning. We see the disciples behind locked doors. But there's one person we miss on Easter morning, not behind locked doors, although with the disciples later in the book of Acts, not going to the tomb looking for his body. It's his mother, Mary. Perhaps, I know, an argument from silence, but perhaps she alone knew, and it made the difference that morning and indeed always. I pray you go forth with courage. There is a true story. I, I double-checked about a man named Grisha Siklenko. He's no longer with us. Something amazing happened, I think it was in 1959. He walked into his Ukrainian village to the shock of everybody. Grisha Siklenko, they presumed, had died in World War II. They hadn't seen him in 16-ish years or so when he was conscripted into service and marched away to war. Unknown to the people, Grisha Siklenko was a deserter. He, instead of going with the troops, hid in a place his mother had manufactured, get this, 
in a manure pile. Yes, for 16 years, this guy lived in manure. In the winter, he nearly froze to death. In the summer, he almost suffocated from the fumes. But 16 years later, he walked out of the manure. Expecting to be prosecuted, punished, they actually said, you've been punished enough. But fear does that. It pushes us towards the manure. And we can walk into the light. The angel's promise is here for you as you go forth today. He is risen as he said. Jesus is saying to you today, I took away your sin. I conquered death. I'm alive with you. I am working through you. And I am coming again in glory to bring you to that glory. The most prominent command in the Bible has got to be, it's here too, fear not, right? It's over and over and over again. The Old Testament knew fear not, fear not, fear not. Someone counted maybe with a little bit of, uh, of manufacturing. 365 times it occurs in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> one fear not for every day of the year. Today's one day. The risen Lord is before you here with his body and blood, here in his word, in your baptism. And he's there tomorrow too, and the next day, and always with that command, with that promise from him. You now can fear not. Amen.